you have a copy of God's word, open up with me to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Charles Spurgeon, who was a preacher in the 1800s, has been called the prince of preachers. He was a phenomenal preacher and would preach in a very large, famous church in London, the Metropolitan Tabernacle, to thousands of people uh, without a microphone. He was a phenomenal teacher of God's word. He said Psalm 131 may be the shortest to read, but the longest to learn. So read with me these three short verses before we dive in. Psalm 131 in verse one says this. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Father, as we open your word, we're asking, begging, wanting you to speak to our hearts. We need it. We need your word this morning. We want to hear what you have to say about us, about who you are. Give us the strength and the courage to lean into this way of living. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read Psalm 131 this week, uh, an interesting thing happened. Al Gilbert, who was the lead pastor here for five years, always said the hardest part about preaching is living it. Um, And I felt like this week, God really gave me a lot of opportunities to try to live Psalm 131. And I think as I spent time in this short Psalm this week, I kept trying to wrestle with what is kind of some semblance of a main idea. I mean, what's the point of the Psalm? Where, what's he writing about? And the more I read and I prayed and I sought wisdom from other people that have read and prayed on this passage, what leapt off the page to me is that this Psalm is a Psalm that gives us a picture of spiritual maturity. It gives us a picture of spiritual maturity. And I don't know if maybe that leapt off to you right away. It certainly didn't to me. But I think as we walk through some of the points in this passage, you'll see that this really is a psalm about spiritual maturity. And I think the first thing it shows us is the problem with maturity. It shows us the problem with maturity because the problem with maturity in verse one is that we don't see ourselves as God sees us. See, I think this psalm begins to show us all the way through that maturity is when we see ourselves as God sees us. When we see ourselves in light of God. We see ourselves rightly. That's a sign of maturity. But the problem with maturity in verse one, did you notice those words? My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This, this is a picture. Now it says I'm not doing this, but if you take the opposite, I am. My heart is lifted up. My eyes are raised too high. I am occupying myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. You have a wonderful picture of pride, which is the problem with maturity. Pride says I'm right in myself. Pride doesn't have any wrongs to confess or any reason to apologize. Pride doesn't have any weaknesses at all. And pride views others as less than themselves. Pride also thinks they can live a limitless life. Pride changes our own personal potential in our own eyes. So we actually begin to raise our eyes up and focus on things that are a little too great for us. Which is not at all the picture I grew up 
getting that like that was a problem. I remember clear as day, the elementary school we went to had a poster that said something like, aim for the moon and if you miss, at least you'll land among the stars. I remember that poster like I can close my eyes and still see it in the main hallway of Arnold Elementary School. And I think that encapsulates so much of what I heard growing up and what I, I don't even know that it was always intentional, but it was always aim for greatness, for you can do anything you want, you can accomplish the world, you can be whatever you want, and it was always this limitless picture of life. But the problem with that is that our eyes will end up being raised even a little too high. Because see, maturity will end up saying in verse two that, you know what, I have some limits. I actually need to be dependent on God and others. But the problem with maturity is when I don't see any limits for myself. It's with the things we occupy ourselves with. Are they too great for us? Are they too marvelous for us? Or am I trying to control things that I can't, actually I don't have any control over. It's what consumes us. See, pride leads to changing our personal potential to having no limits, having expectations of ourselves that are actually too high. To fine-tune the point earlier from my childhood, I played sports growing up, and the quote that I took, and I don't know where I read it, but I wrote it down, and it was from an NBA player in decades gone. I mean, I never even watched him play. It was Dr. J. He said, I demand more of myself than anyone else could ever expect. And I thought, yeah, that is a good saying to live by if you're going to be an athlete and keep succeeding. You need to demand more from yourself and more from yourself. There's not a standard that you demand this much. The standard is more. So whatever you're at, it's more. Whatever you're focusing on, it's more. And pride actually fools you into thinking that you can handle more. But this psalm paints a very different picture, doesn't it? He says, I'm not raised up too high. I'm not focused on things that are too great and too marvelous for me. But I think what happens is when we go pride and then we change our personal potential, what, what pride begins to lead to in this wrong view of ourself, it leads to discontent in our lives. When our eyes are raised up on things that are too great for us, when our hearts are lifted up, and we're occupying ourselves with things that are just beyond our reach, things that we can't control, and you say, okay, hold on, I'm having a hard time grasping what exactly you're talking about. I think, think about kids and the way they'll ask questions sometimes about things that they don't fully understand, but they understand enough to think that they can participate in the conversation. Like, wait a minute, why are we, we're not going the right way? Why, why are we going down the road this way? It's like, I told you where we're going. You know that's where I'm taking us. Don't occupy yourself with things too great for you. You don't know all the ways we can get where we're going. And I think that's sometimes how God views us. Like we're constantly putting our nose in something that's a little over the top for us, but we think we can handle it. And it leads to discontent in our life, which if you look at verse two, it says, I've calmed and quieted my soul, which means the opposite of that is a noisy soul. Because when we're constantly occupying ourselves with things that are too great and beyond our reach and beyond our limits, we build what David Pallison calls ladders to nowhere. We're constantly thinking, I have to achieve more, I have to earn more, I have to get the next promotion. 
And this is where God has let me live this this week. I have been very discontent even this morning. Discontent with things in my life that I think I need a different kind of home. I look around at our home and I see the clutter and I see our kids are growing and I go, Carrie, I'm feeling claustrophobic. We need a different home. And it's like, do you need a different home? Or are you lifting up your eyes a little too high and you're having trouble being content with the thing that God's brought to you? See, there are times that God uses it to really move us on in a different direction and say, yes, I am moving you. But there are other times we're just discontent because when we think we don't have limits, it creates noise in our hearts and chaos and fretfulness and worry. Did you know we worry and have anxiety about the things that we think we need to control? But usually we can't control those things. That's the opposite of the picture that's painted here in Psalm 131. Not a chaotic soul, not a noisy soul or a fretful soul or a worried soul or an anxious soul, but a calm and quiet soul. But I think if the problem with maturity is our pride and what begins to consume us is this noise and this chaos because of our pride, here's what David Pallison says in a little bit of an extended quote, but bear with me because it's so good. He talks about these ladders to nowhere. He says, pride sets up these ladders and climbs on high. The inner static gives, gives away the secret. You feel nervously happy when you climb up a few rungs. You feel bitter and despairing when you land in a heap at the bottom. Haughty eyes look down on anyone below you, on the particular ladders that you most cherish. You freely criticize about some things, but not everything. Those particular ladders from which you gaze down in disdain are your precious and proud aspirations. You feel envy or despair when anyone else rises or threatens to rise above you in some things, but not everything. You chase after impossibilities, matters too great and too wonderful for you. No wonder you're noisy inside. Stairs of sand look so good. They promise to take you someplace good, but they collapse beneath the weight of your life. This is discontent. When we lift up our eyes to look at things that are too great for us, we're not, we lift up our hearts to focus on things that are too great for us. The truth is, you may not need another promotion for the rest of your life. You might, we may never need a bigger home than what we have right now. But are we willing to think that? Because we live in a world that would f- almost force us to consider the exact opposite. But I think the picture of maturity that the Bible's painting in Psalm 131 is the opposite of what our culture is gonna force into us. Which is never get off the treadmill, never get off the corporate ladder. Well, what's the ladder to? Well, I don't know. It's it's clearly not just a CEO because you see CEOs get discontent at one company and jump to the next one and jump to the next one and want a new, jump to a different industry. And so it's not, I mean, what is the ladder to? It's a ladder to nowhere but it puts a burden over me that makes me feel like I have to keep climbing and it it makes me feel better than the people who were lower than me on that ladder. But it's not just work, right? It could be anything. It could be anything in life which you, it could be your spiritual life. That you think, you know what, I've I've attained a certain level. I've gotta keep pressing, I've gotta keep learning. I've gotta keep attaining, I gotta go, I mean, I know more than, uh, look at these other people. They don't don't know near as much about the Bible as I do. 
my heart's raised up a little bit. But you know why that causes noise? Because you have to maintain that. You all of a sudden put pressure on yourself to keep that up. Because if you ever fall down in a heap on the ground, like David Pallison says, then you are destroyed because you've hung your whole life on climbing that ladder. Oh Lord, my heart's not lifted up. Isn't that contentment? Faithfulness maybe is a word that I would use to describe that. My eyes are not raised too high. I recognize my limits. I don't occupy myself with things that are too great and too marvelous for me. God, I I don't try to control the things I know I can't control. You know what else I think of right here? Our cultural temptation to have an opinion on everything. (laughs) I think I've told you before, uh, you're not gonna get my opinion on a pandemic because I'm not that kind of specialist. You're not gonna get my opinion on every political matter because I'm not a political pundit. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to hold up Jesus and where he applies, we'll talk about it. But that stuff's, that stuff's too great and too marvelous for me. That's not what God's called me to do. And that's not, I don't have any expertise in that. Are you willing to be quiet about the things you don't have any expertise about? Like we all have a social media account so we all think we work for a news outlet and all of a sudden everyone's a journalist and we all have to go break the news. And we're all, we all have to, hey, everybody, all my followers, all my friends are wanting to know what I think about the latest. Maybe that's something that's just a little too great and too marvelous for you and that's actually not what people need from you. <laughs> You don't have to put that pressure on yourself to comment on everything. We think about things too great and too marvelous for us. I'm sitting literally working on this sermon in Starbucks this week. Thank God Starbucks by my house is finally open on the inside. (laughs) Amen. I called and they acted like I was so ignorant for asking. Like, do you have tables open? They were like, what do you mean? Like, come on, it's been two years. You know what I mean. So I'm sitting there and a truck pulls up and so many people are coming in and out picking up their, their drinks and a truck pulls up and I kid you not, the car tag says immortal. And I thought, God, thank you for sermon illustrations. And so I'm typing away and I'm going, oh, just like this car tag I've seen. And I think it's so silly that this person has a car tag that says immortal. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a heart that's raised up, you know, a little too high. You're not immortal. Until I saw who got out of the car then I knew it was positively insane. Because this was not a picture of health walking to the front door. In fact, he almost didn't make it to the front door, which is fine, everybody has different medical conditions, but this person was not a picture of health. He, he was not moving well, he was so friendly and I'm sure a wonderful person. But the fact that his card tag says immortal and the fact that he couldn't barely make it to get his drink at Starbucks, I thought that delusion of immortality is actually not any crazier than mine. Before God, they're both just as silly. It might be a little more stark of a contrast there. I might not be so bold as to get my car tag to say immortal, but don't 
don't you think for a second I don't believe it. And I might not struggle now, I might not. I mean, there may be a day I do, but I might not struggle to walk to the front door of Starbucks. But if I struggle to walk into eternity thinking I'm immortal, you better believe I'm falling on my face. But this person's delusion of immortality is not a whole lot crazier than mine. But my heart's raised up a little too high at times. And that's the problem with maturity. But what's fascinating about this passage is it gives us, point two, the picture of maturity. A weaned child. Now, we've not had as many newborns as we have children in our home because of the way God's decided to grow our family. So I'm not gonna try to pontificate on all the depth of the illustration of what a weaned child is and how that happens in our own personal stories of weaning children. We've not, Carrie's not breastfed any of our children. So, I, so I'm not gonna go into all the detail that I'm sure some of you could because of your story. But what I thought was fascinating is that that's not a picture of maturity we probably aim for. A weaned child, as opposed to the nursing child who's fretting, fussing, and fearing. I mean, what do you say when a child's moving around like that? Oh, he's just so fussy. So here's... <laughs> Here's, I love what God does here. You have to kind of read between the lines and put some pieces together. But what God is saying is, verse one, I'm not lifting up my eyes too high. I'm not occupying myself too great for me. Pride, right? We lift up. Hearts, our eyes are high. I can accomplish. What God's actually saying is, you're more like a nursing baby than the chest out, eyes held high, look at what I can accomplish. God's saying, yeah, you're more like a nursing baby than you are this immortal, prideful person you've built yourself up to be. But as opposed to the nursing child, the picture of maturity that Psalm 131 gives us is the one who has calmed and quieted their soul like a weaned child with its mother. A weaned child is at peace, it's content, it's calm, it's quiet. It's trusting that food will come. A wean child is just glad to be with the mother, not just begging for what the mother's gonna give that child. Have you ever considered maturity as the ability to be calm? Have you ever considered maturity as the ability to be quiet and still? Is there room in your definition of maturity for that? Because that's the definition of maturity that scripture is painting for us in Psalm 131. It's calm and it's quiet and it's still and it's trusting and it's content. And whatever sort of pathway to maturity you've envisioned for yourself, does contentment play any role in that? I, I would say usually it doesn't. Because that's what a pathway to growth is, right? It's being discontent so that you can keep growing and get on to the next step and get on to the next thing and keep moving on. So discontentment is baked into the equation, but Psalm 131 is telling us that a picture of maturity, spiritual maturity, is a weaned child. I couldn't help but think of Mark 4, 35 to 41, where Christ is sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm, right? That's another illustration. If you don't, can't pick up on a weaned child, think about the storm raging, the disciples freaking out, and Jesus 
asleep. And them going, uh, <laughs> Lord, what's going on? <laughs> and him almost, I mean, I'm picturing him wiping the sleep out of his eyes still, and him going, peace, be still. What? How long are you guys not going to believe? I mean, he, Jesus was God, but he was also a human. So like, I mean, I'm guessing he was, he just got disrupted out of his sleep. How do you wake up? But he was resting. He was not worried about a storm. He was not worried that that storm was going to threaten him. He was trusting at the Father's hand. That's the picture of maturity that Psalm 131 is giving us. So this morning I want to ask you, is your soul calm and quiet? Or is it noisy? Noisy about all the things you haven't done yet. This is the week, right, to be noisy about all the things you haven't done yet. All the presents you haven't bought, all the family that's coming into town, all the cleaning you have to do. This is one of the weeks that you might feel a lot of noise. But is your heart lifted up? Or can you say with verse one, my heart's not lifted up. I'm, I'm content. My eyes aren't raised up too high. I'm not constantly consuming myself with all the things that I can't figure out and all the questions I don't have answers for. You know what, I'm, I can take a deep breath. I can be at peace with not getting everything done. Are you content this morning like a weaned child? Are you content with just being with your Father God? without needing to say, gimme, 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 and then I'm out the door. Say, God, I love you, and I wanna be with you, and I wanna hear your voice, and I wanna worship you. That's a weaned child. That's a picture of maturity, but the good news about this psalm is it doesn't leave us just with a picture of maturity. It gives us a pathway to maturity because all along the way, he's Praying, O Lord, that's how he starts in verse one. But then in verse three, he turns and he talks to the people. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So he gives us the pathway to this kind of maturity, which is to hope in God. Charles Spurgeon again said this about this psalm. He said, it's a mark of spiritual maturity to be able to forego the things we once thought were essential and can find our solace in the one who denies them to us. Can you find your solace in the one who's not giving you the things you thought you needed? That's a test of spiritual maturity. Can you find peace in God if he withholds from you the th very things you think you most need? Because our hope is in God, not in all the things we hope God brings us. When we become satisfied in God, we realize we don't have to pursue prideful, limitless, uninhibited aspirations but we can hope in God himself. We don't have to hope in the things we can do in this life. We don't have to hope in the things we can achieve. We don't have to hope in the life we think we have to create for ourselves. We can hope in God who gives us the gift of life and we must receive. And that's a difficult word for us, but that's the pathway to maturity. Hope in God. And that's the Christmas word, right? Hope, hope has come down from heaven in 
a child. And so as I'm thinking about Psalm 131 and we're looking at this picture of maturity as the weaned child and this pathway of maturity and hoping in God, I can't help but think the perfect model of this and really our only hope for achieving this is a very specific weaned child. It's Jesus of Nazareth who was born and nursed and needed to be weaned himself as a baby. That is our Lord. He grew up like a human being. Let's not dehumanize Jesus. Let's remember this. But let's also remember why he came. He was born as a real baby so we could learn the full gamut of human life as a man so that he could take our place perfectly. Pay the sin that we could have never paid. Walk into death that we could have never walked out of and find new life again through the resurrection. So the ultimate picture of maturity, the one who made maturity possible for us, is Jesus. Because all along, if you read the Gospels, you see him constantly trusting his Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's staring the cross in the face, sweating blood as he prays, God, if there's any other way. But Isaiah 53 held true like a lamb that was silently led to the slaughter. He went the way that God had for him to do exactly the plan that he and the Father had drawn up from eternity past. He was like a weaned child trusting perfectly the plan of God. Can we do the same? Can we do the same this morning? Can we trust perfectly the plan of God? Can we check our desire to worry about things that are too big for us. And instead of our desire to try to worry about those things, can we turn them over to God in prayer and hope instead in God rather than ourselves? That's my prayer for us this morning. Is that we wouldn't worry about things that are too big for us, but instead we would turn them over to God. We would open up our hands and ask God to fill them and that we would believe this vision of Psalm 131, that spiritual maturity really does look like a weaned child. Not like the biggest, strongest, loudest person we can be. The most accomplished, the longest resume. No, no. Looks like the one who can be content and calm and quiet. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this short psalm and the way that it's worked on me. All week in this morning, God, I, I realize my own heart, God, it, it struggles with these things. I don't want to be calm and quiet. <laughs> I want to get my wheels turning. And part of the reason I don't want to be calm and quiet is because I don't always want to face what all is inside of me. But when I'm calm and quiet, it is a sign that I'm trusting you, God. So today, would you give us a greater trust for greater faith, God, that you really are who you say you are. Give us greater contentment in you, Father. And as we sing one more song here in just a minute, God, I pray that we'd sing it from a place of faith. I pray for this church family this week, God, as we go all our different ways, some traveling, seeing family, 
having a blast, I hope, at some time, and I'm sure, God, all of us in this room will have a hard time sometime this week, God, as we approach Christmas Day next week, and I pray for us, God, to keep our eyes on Jesus. I pray for us to continue to pay attention to what you're doing in our hearts every single day, knowing that you are working in us and for us. I pray that you'd keep us close to you this week, God. And I pray for this dear church family as we close out 2021 and we look ahead to 2022. God, I'm excited for how you're moving in our family's midst. God, I just want you to get all the credit. So as we end this year, I think this is such a fitting psalm because we look ahead with contentment knowing, God, it's really all you. All we have to do is hope in you. And as we look back with the same perspective, God, we say, wow, it was not us anyways. <laughs> we thought we were asserting ourselves and getting it done on our own. And we look back and we say, no, it was the faithfulness of God that carried us all the way. So the worship team is gonna come back up and I just want you to say an attitude of prayer for just a minute. Um, I really wanna encourage you to respond to God's word this morning. And so as we sing um, one final song, <clears throat> I want you to feel invited to respond however you need to respond. If that's in your seat praying, if you wanna come up here and get on your knees and pray on these stairs like an altar, I, I would really encourage you to do that. Grab somebody to pray with. You can come pray with me. I'm gonna come right here and be singing and I'd love to pray with you or talk with you. Um, so go ahead and stand up. Father, we want to respond to your word in faith, trusting that what you said is true. Calm and quiet our souls this morning to be people who trust you and depend on you in Jesus' name.